0: to be back it's not even a week but it feels like longer but it is good to be amongst the in the house of God amongst the people of God and uh, I do look forward to bringing the word to you this morning praise God Now um I do ask that you bear with me because I have to kind of lay the foundation and share all that kind of has happened and how it came to be that I want to speak about and minister what I want to this morning. But I must say in the first instance that um, I wasn't planning to speak because I only came in last night and I said to Pastor Werner, could you do this Sunday Uh, just so I can refresh myself? But I felt a strong impression uh, of the Lord during the week And so um, uh, to share uh, what I'm going to speak about this morning and so obviously made contact and requested the opportunity to do so. So appreciate that, Pastor Werner. Thank you. Um, Now, in saying that, this is a little bit different what I'm going to do this morning. Well, in terms of all that I'm going to speak about. But let me first say this. I wrote... Uh, the message that i 'm going to preach today over twelve months ago um, it kind of came to me, and I sat down and, and prepared it and put it together. but I never preached it i just didn 't sense at the time that a release of the Lord to kind of approach it because sometimes you know you know that god 's involved, but you, you feel as though you you know you 're involved in it too, and so you just kind of think nah you know you 've got to kind of step back from that and that's how it was for me at the time and so I thought, you know, I'll put that on the shelf and and, and I never really contemplated it again uh, up until this week. And so because there was a certain events that took place that and then it just kind of come to my mind and sprang into my heart and as the Lord said, you know, this is you now the time and so it came to my mind and so I'm going to share that. But before I go in that on that side of things, I must share what took place while we were there in Hawaii and how it came to be and so um it was sunday morning and we had i was really looking forward to church and uh, colm had mentioned uh excuse me colm had mentioned to me a particular church and preacher that he uh, 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 uh listens to named jd Farag. is that right so people know this guy okay and so anyways, I looked it up and there it was and so I, I saw um, where the church was and whatever else in terms of on the map and so I put it into the GPS because we, we were on one side of the island we had to go across over the hills to the other and that particular morning it was heavy in, with rain and we also found out later that it always rains in this particular part of Hawaii just like it does at Suva in Fiji. And so, in, um, so once we got there, my GPS was taking me up this particular road on the coast. And so we were on the road that it was on, and the number was, say, 525, and we were up to 480. And we're finally getting there, you know, you're ready. And all of a sudden, there's a police car blocking the road in front of us. And he stops me and he says, look, there's been a mudslide, you can't come this way, you're going to have to go all the way around and come from the other end. So, it's like, oh, great, you know. But we had a bit of time, so I thought, you know, it was going to be a 10 to 15 minute drive to go all the way around. And so, anyways, we did that and we worked our way, got to where we had to get, and we turned into this the same street there and there's police cars and they're blocked off the road. And I was frustrated and I said, to the guy, look, I just want to go to Calvary Chapel, it's just in there, you know? And he said, look, the mudslide's just here on the bridge, you'll have to go from the other way, tell them you want to go to Calvary Chapel and they'll let you in. And so I thought, oh no, now we have to go all the way back. And so I was intent though, so we all kind of said, come on, let's do it. So we you know, drove all the way down and around and we got to the police car again and we stop and I said, and and the guy goes, I said to the guy look I've spoken to the other people he said that the Calvary chapel's just there and we can go through and you know it's not going to interfere and so he says no you can't go through and he says and he says plus Calv-, one of the guys goes Calvary chapel's not there anyway and so but the other guy we we talked to before, he was adamant, yeah, it's in there, I know where it is, yep, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I'm confused, we're frustrated now, I'm exasperated and I'd finally, I'd kind of given up in a sense where I said, Lord, I've done my best, I don't know if we're going to get to church, it's not going to happen this morning and I was so disappointed. And so um, anyway, we were driving back to the road and we got to the halfway point and I said, I'm going back again, the other way. And so... And the kids are and they're like, come on, Dad, you're not going to get there, you know. And it's like, no, I'm going. So we go all the way there and we, we get to the block again. And I say, look, I j- it's Calvary Chapel. It's just here, you know, like the end of the street's there, 480's there. It's just like it's got to be there. And um, we're just so close but so far. And the guy looks at me and he goes, Calvary Chapel's there. And it was right next to us on the left. And I couldn't believe it. And I said, these people, how can they tell me this? You know, and it's there. I've been there now two times. And it's like, um, and so we were just, and it was already like 45 minutes after the start. And, um, and I said, no. And it was raining heavy. And so we went into the car park and I said, no, I'm going in. And the kids go, oh, okay. And Vanessa goes, I'm not. She's not showing her face. She's embarrassed to go to church at that time, you know. And so, <laughs> and so. Um, anyway, she ends up coming in, but we, you know, just the whole saga of this whole event. So we go in and we walk in and uh, we sit down, and and he's probably got ten minutes left in his message. But the way it works is, after he finishes his message, they it's he then proceeds to do his prophecy update, where each week where he shares something in relation to. Uh, Bible prophecy and so forth. And I think that's probably what people might listen to in relation to some of his uh, teachings. So anyways, as he began to speak about this, it was here that it all made sense and why you know it all came together. Because he began to talk... Now, you remember the recently in the last few weeks we had that shooting at Florida and at the school. And so he said, uh, the uh, speaker there began to share how he was not gonna talk about Israel or Middle East or prophecy in that sense, but he wanted to talk about the shootings and he wanted to venture into the issue of music. And so, uh, you know, obviously he was saved out of, of music and drugs and so forth and he shared some of that, but he just wanted to speak about how there's a common denominator here that people are missing and that is the demonic aspect, that is the demon possession and the demonic influences that are involved in this and he brought out the fact that this particular gunman who was responsible for the latest massacre, um, and you'll remember years ago the Columbine shooting as well, and so he said that that particular shooter and this particular shooter, what they, it's come out that what they both had in common is they were both listening to the same song. And it was the same song that had, you know, uh, uh, played a big part in them ultimately uh, doing what they did. And it was a blasphemous song that uh, was, you know, by a band called Nine Inch Nails. You work it out. It was, um, you know, obviously he was saying that Jesus was crucified with Nine nine Inch Nails. And so he began to talk about that and he began to share some of these things and then he began just basically to give a teaching about the music that's in the world, the music that uh, people listen to, the music even that we Christians may ourselves uh, listen to and how... We can't be ignorant of the fact that uh, there is a demonic spirit that is associated with ungodly music. Now, and as he began to share many different things, it was it was <laughs> it was funny because I, these things were in my mind and on my heart anyway, and I've spoken to them many a times. But it was like. For the first time, when you know it's not Dad talking, and it's um, uh, a preacher who's sharing these things, and it's like we were all—even me—I was. I mean, I already knew these things from when I was first a Christian and being exposed to some of this stuff, but it was uh, just a moment in where the truth and the reality of these things were coming strong, and the, you know, and we all felt that the Lord was speaking to all of us in some particular way, and um, and then it was during that that the Lord quickened me in relation to this message that I'm going to share when I get to it, um, that I would preach it this morning. And so that's how some of these events came about. Now, in stating the demonic aspect, what J.D. or Farag did is he began to show little clips up on the screen of various quotes of var- and talk about various bands and various things that, uh, to support and establish the, the, the truth and facts about what he was uh, was speaking. And so he said, you know, he referred to an article in Newsweek some, you know, in the year 2000, obviously, he's, these are things he's collected over the years. But it talked about music and the mind and how science then was finding that the human brain is pre-wired for music, Obviously. But in terms of the scientific aspect, and they began to realise if people who listen to music, if they would separate them completely from their music for thirty days, and have no, literally no music coming in or out, uh, that um, people began to show anxiety and stress and various aspects in their behaviour as a result of that. It's a bit like maybe you know putting your mobile phone away for uh, for thirty days. I don't know, but. Um, in saying that he was establishing all of these facts. And so we understand that because God has created us in, that, in this way, hasn't he? Music is a very fundamental aspect of who we are and the way God's created us and made us and the whole realm of spirit, soul and body and all these facets that come into play in relation to this. But, um, you know, he, 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 what's important, the question is, is, well, what music are we listening to? And, wh- and what do we listen to? And what are the lyrics saying of particular songs? Have you ever taken time to consider these things? You know, because some songs sound really good, don't they? Don't know, they've got a good beat, you know, and a bit of a jive, and they sound really nice, but then you listen to it, and you're like, whoa, wait a minute, you know. And so these, these are, this is very critical. We have to think of this. And in, in actual fact, um, uh, Frag referred to a particular modern song, which some of you young folk will know. And he spoke about uh, a song that's called "Pray for Me" uh, uh, by a particular individual. Forgot the name now. Didn't write it here. But it, uh, this particular song called "Pray for Me" it's the soundtrack for the latest movie that's just come out in the cinemas called Pink Panther. Sorry, a oh, Black Panther. Sorry. See, that's how much I oh, know. The bla- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey. Anyways, the Black Panther, not the Pink Panther. <laughs> oh gosh. You well, know, you can tell it. I'm not really in tune with some of these things anymore. But um, <laughs> anyway, so in these particular words, and uh, I'll read it to you. Uh, it says. Um, the, the, the songwriter who's very famous and popular, but apparently one of the best best rap artists of modern times and so forth. And he says in these lyrics that he's written, Mass destruction and mass corruption, Their souls are suffering men, Clutching on deaf ears again, Rapture is coming, it's all prophecy, And if i got to be sacrificed for the greater good, Then that's what it's got to be. And that's the Black Panther, because he's the hero, you know, the superhero. And so, you know, these things, they come, you know, like, they're there. But the point is, is that uh, Hannah, I told her I was going to mention her name, Hannah had that song on her playlist. She goes, Dad, I had no idea those were the lyrics. And I said, well, you have to be aware of what you're listening to. You have to understand what the song is about because that gives you the ability to judge whether it's right or wrong. You can its not enough just to say, oh, "Well, it sounds good," or "I like the beat," or you know, anything like that. I've been there; I know how it works. Um, we all know our own—we all have our own associations with music, and so um, uh, because the, the truth is, is that we can't afford to be naive about these things. We can't be haphazard. We have to discern. We have to judge with righteous judgment. We have to consider these things for what they are and then once you hear that and you know what it's about and you see the wickedness and the evil connotation that's associated with it and it's held up as as heroic in the world but it's evil in the sight of God, how can you listen to that song? You can't. You can never listen to it with a clear conscience and a good conscience again. And so... When I got saved, and I'll say it again, you've said it a hundred times, but I, I tell you the truth, I threw out all my hard rock, heavy metal CDs. And, in that, and by that stage I'd gotten into alternative music, got rid of that, and I'd also gotten into a band called U2. And, and uh, I threw that CD away as well, because and Bono would sing that song, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I've spoke with tongues of angels, I have held the hand of the devil. Blah, blah, blah. But I found what I was looking for. Jesus. And that music was like a void in me. It meant nothing anymore. Actually, I was repulsed by it all. And I, and, I, and I got rid of it. I threw it all out. And mind you, as J.D. Farragh said, and I've said it before and I say it now again, Bono is being promoted in Christian bookshops. The guy's not a Christian. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. And he's anti-Christ. That's heavy, but that's the truth. So, in light of all of that, I come to now, having laid all that foundation, I kind of want to share with you what the Lord had put upon my heart 12 months, over 12 months ago and what I'm going to speak about now. And uh, the two portions of text that I want to look at is in Ephesians chapter 5 and Colossians chapter 3. We'll read there in a moment. But before I read, again... This is why this is the inspiration behind this particular message that I'm going to share now. Some, uh, going back over 12 months, I was watching a documentary on the ABC, and it was about music and the mind. And uh, it captured my attention. I found it quite fascinating to watch. And in doing this, they were talking about, or they were um, they were investigating the effect of music uh, upon the brain. Because you may have heard this by now as well, you might be aware of this, but what they've realized is that people who suffer from dementia and Alzheimer's and things, you know, some of these things in the modern uh, age that we have today, and, you know, it hinders their ability to communicate, they're disconnected from, uh, socially, um, uh, you know, they, they're just not there, they, they, they can't, they know they, they're living in their child. There's so many things going on. But they've realized that when they play music, the, when they find out the songs that they loved, and the music that they listened to, and they put that music on, say back in the 60s or whatever it was, 50s, these people become coherent. They become, they begin to sing, they begin to dance. They be, they, they, it's like they come back in a sense. It connects something going on inside the brain, and they've realised the, the, the this influence of music in relation to this, and that began to get me get me thinking. And they began to say, well, that's because, you know, they began to draw their, their analogies to this. And they said, well, because many millions of years ago, music was a universal language. Well, whatever. Music is universal in a sense, amen, it's eternal. Because God created it. And when God created music, it was good. And so, it, 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 it's, music is spiritual. We have no questions about that as Christians. And they were talking about this issue of, of, of music and how it's significant on the individual and on the collective group. Now, listen to this. This is what they were saying. In this study, they realised that when we listen to music, the levels of oxytocin in our brain, they double. That's what creates all the good feelings. And, that, and as a result of that, uh, the, the, the levels of oxytocin doubled when people sing together. Isn't it? Listen to this. And so it releases emotions that flood the mind and make people happy, or in the Christian sense, joyful. Amen. That's why we worship God. God created it like that. But like all things that God creates, man corrupts it. The devil harnesses it for his own agenda and purpose to deceive and destroy, to steal, kill, and destroy. But listen to this. Another, they also said that the levels of oxytocin doubled when they were socially engaging, as these, these elderly people. Now, isn't it interesting that one of the things in life is loneliness, is a killer. People that isolate themselves, they're lonely. When they get old, if they've got no social networking, something goes wrong with them. Have you noticed that? And so, because we need interaction, God has created us to be interdependent. And so, we have these uh, things in relation to uh, fellowship. That's why we call it God. Fellowship, isn't it great when we sing together, worship God, and what do we look forward to, the preaching, and then what do we wait for after that? Fellowship. Because fellowship is good. Fellowshipping and talking about the things of God, the Word of God, and all of these things. And, it's, and how satisfying that is. So, they also spoke about the collective impact and influence of music upon people. Now we know that too. The devil knows it, God knows it. But we and and I look about I look at the last sixty years of music and uh, I tell you, the influence of music has been profound. The way the devil has harnessed it, and the way that it's impacted the lives of people. And I speak, and I'm speaking now specifically, going back even before my time, of bands, the bands like the Beatles. You've ever seen stuff, ever seen footage of that, and how how people were mesmerized. There was hysteria. It was spiritual. There was something going on, and it was a spirit. And so this is the connection that I want to establish uh, uh, for us this morning because music is spiritual and anything God's created, God's created us to worship, God's created us to praise him and all of these things, the devil corrupts it and tries to harness it for evil and so we must discern these things. Now I want to preach a sermon this morning that I have entitled, now listen carefully, it will make sense later, called A Stream." A stream. Remember that word because it will come back at the end as this ties itself together. A stream. Because my Bible, as we will read in our text, tells us that we are to, uh, one of the signs that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah! Is that we will sing and make melody in our hearts to the Lord. This is the fundamental primary manifestation that you are full of the Holy Ghost because you can't stop singing about God, talking about God. God floods your mind and your thoughts in a manner that is constant and it manifests in outbursts of singing and joy and and all of these things, which is a significant evidence of one who is full of the Holy Spirit, as we will see, and how healthy this is to the spirit, the soul, the soul and the body. So let's read Ephesians 5 and verse 17. The Bible says, "Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is." That's the, it's just what we've been talking about. Don't be naive, don't be silly, don't be ignorant. Do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, verse 18, And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation or excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Verse 19, Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, go across. Let's leave it there. Go across to Colossians chapter 3. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell uh, in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Amen. Now, God has made us and wired us to love music. Full stop. But again, how that is harnessed, how that is applied to our lives, especially as Christians here we're speaking, this is of critical importance because it will determine uh, the level, I guess, of your spirituality in many ways, when we talk about being spiritual, when we talk about being carnal and things of this sort. But you see, the devil has corrupted what God created. In actual fact, you'll, there's a debate that, that relates into Ezekiel chapter 28 and in verse 13, I don't have to read it, you can read in your own time um, or you can bring it up on the screen, Matthew, Ezekiel 28 verse 13. But um, it makes reference to the fact uh, people uh, debate the scripture, and I don't want to go into the semantics of it, to be honest, because whether that is or isn't referring to the fact that Lucifer or Satan before his fall, people say that Satan was music in himself, that he was the uh, you know, leader of the choir of heaven and all these types of things. But regardless of any of that, let's let it be known uh, as the, the morning star Lucifer, uh, uh, he would know how to worship, he was created to worship. Worship is not foreign to any creation of God. And so the devil would know, you can read that just there, I'm not going to go into it, but the, uh, but the point being is, is that Satan's influence on music cannot be ignored. Satan's music, uh, uh, he understands the power of it. He understands the laws of music. He understands the, how God's created us. He understands how to use music to his end. And, to, and, and the, as a mean to his end, and so we must realize this. That's why I make reference, and I want to just touch upon this. And this, I'm drawing this from Farag as well, uh, as I incorporate it into message this morning. But the, uh, the Beatles, the Beatles, um, uh, to my understanding, and this I would already researched this previously. But they tra- before they became famous, they travelled to India and uh, to, to visit guru, gurus and engaged in transcendental meditation and, and all forms of spirituality. But you see, one of the things that you must be noted about the Beatles is they were demon possessed. I say, don't use that word, however you want to use it, but I'm telling you the truth. And this is where I'll quote, uh, you remember bands like Led Zeppelin, See, this is for some. This generation might not be as relevant, but "Stairway to Heaven" is one of, if not, the, is voted the best song of all time. "Stairway to Heaven," written by Led Zeppelin. These men were all demon possessed, and I say that, literally. Now, I want to just establish some of these things so you can understand what I'm saying. He, uh, John Lennon, he said these words. He says, "I've sold my soul to the devil." But my joy is when you're like possessed, like a medium, you know. I'll be sitting around and it'll come in the middle of the night or at the time when you don't want to and that's, it, and that's the exciting part. I don't know who the bleep wrote it. I'm just sitting here and the whole thing comes song comes out. So it's like you're driven, you find yourself over on a piano or a guitar and you put it down because it's been given to you or whatever it is that you tune into. And this is the quote of John Lennon, his inspiration. But more than that, the, and I just want to, and uh, uh, using this is to establish it, the whole premise about which the, the music industry began to be known was under the, um, the, the phrase of uh, do as thy will, which is a quote that comes from what we know as the Satanic Bible. And back in that generation there was a prominent figure by the name of Alistair Crowley, People, some of you might be familiar with this. And so he was, a, he was the one who had a profound influence upon the Beatles and many other, Led Zeppelin, many, many, many music, musicians and bands of that time in that, that sang their satanic music. But um, the whole issue, uh, Farag states, is the whole the Beatle idea was do as what you want, do as thou will, which is the command. He says, do what they will shall be the whole of the law is a moral utterance found in the Thelemic Foundation Scripture which is called the Book of the Lord, Do What Thou Will. is known as the Law of the- Thelema. Alistair Crowley taught this law in mentoring many rock bands. Now, Alistair Crowley was a Satanist. Yes. Now, the cover, now in, I wouldn't, I'm not familiar with this album, some of you older folks might be, but Sgt. Pepper album by the Beatles. And so the Sgt. Pepper album by the Beatles, there was a, uh, as part of the front cover, there was an array of people uh, that were photographed and many, you know, say 30 people, whatever, standing there and all the people that they'd put on the front cover. And uh, in, that was, uh, in that picture was what this man, Alistair Crowley. Now, let me read further. The, c- the cover of Sgt. Pepper's album by the Beatles showed a background of, according to Ringo Starr, people we liked and we like and admire. Paul McCartney said of Sgt Pepper's cover, we were going to have photos on the wall of of all our heroes, Beatles and Rolling Stones. Uh, One of the Beatles heroes included on the cover of Sgt Pepper's was the infamous Satanist Alistair Crowley. Most people, especially in 1967, did not even know who Crowley was, but the Beatles certainly did. It is uh, believed that Sergeant Pepper himself taught the band how to play. Alistair Crowley had had a large influence upon modern rock music. Unbeknownst to most Americans, much of the hellish music which they idolised was written and sang by devout followers of Crowley and his Satanism. Guitarist Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin is a devout follower of uh, of Crowley and... um, he goes, goes on to say, guitarist Jimmy Page is a devout follower and Satanist, uh, of Satanist, Alistair Crowley, who proclaimed himself as the Beast 666. This is Alistair Crowley. In 1971, guitarist Jimmy Page of of Led Zeppelin bought Crowley's Bollockstein house on the shore of Loch Ness where Crowley practised his hellish satanic rituals, including human sacrifices. Farrag says he has evidence and his archives of that, when they went to the house, they found the remains of of, uh, children that were, male children that were sacrificed. Satanic ritual. And so um, he goes on to say, their song, Stairway to Heaven, oh actually, sorry, let me read further. Um, Guitarist Jimmy Page actually performed Crowley's magical rituals during their concerts. They, their song Stairway to Heaven carries the reference May Queen which is purpose, purportedly the name of a hideous poem written by Car- Crowley. Page has inscribed in the vinyl of their album Led Zeppelin Three, Crowley's infamous Do As They Will. Page and Robert Plant claim some of Zeppelin's songs came via occultic automatic handwriting, including their popular Stairway to Heaven. Now. Barag, in his presentation for 45 minutes, went from one to the other. I have it as a file, or you can listen to it on his website. But he, go, he went through much, much, much more to establish these facts and of people that you would re- re- know, and then you'd have a, and you'd go, oh, wow, it's like when he spoke about this modern guy and this particular song, everyone, you know, the modern people, they look and they go, whoa, didn't realise that. But you see, we have to know these things. We have to realise who are these people? What are we listening to? What what are their lives? What are they singing about? I mean, it was it was um, it was what's it was uh, John Lennon who wrote that uh, famous worldly song, Imagine, and people sing it. You hear it every time that they want to promote world peace or some not, you know some some uh, demonic uh, agenda. What is a song? Imagine. And so the world thinks it's a beautiful song and if you listen to it and if you're a Christian you think oh, it sounds so sweet but it's from the pit of hell. And in it let me read you the words some of the words. Imagine there's no heaven. It's not. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. Woohoo. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will be as one. Imagine there's no countries. It isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for. And no religion too. Imagine all the people living life in peace. Now it all sounds lovely, but it's demonic. It's from hell itself. So how can we listen to it when we hear it? You know what you do? Boop. You can't listen to this stuff because it gets under your skin. And so um, we must judge it. This is the, the point that I'm trying to make. But you see, it's commonly been stated that the fastest way to change a generation is through its music, Music is that medium. The devil harnesses music, and that's why. Uh, even and I, I, I did. I, get, I think I, I did what I could. Um, and you're in hindsight, you look back and you think, yeah, you could do things, some things differently. But I tell you, you've got to be careful about what your kids are listening to. Exactly. And um, uh, because these things, because when music gets a hold of the soul, you are telling me it doesn't have an effect? You're telling me that it doesn't dull the senses? You're telling me it doesn't have some spiritual consequence? You can't, you, we, we would be foolish to think otherwise. And so these things have to be judged. These things have to be considered. And, and so this is the point that I want to bring to our attention this morning. But you know when I wrote this I was contemplating the whole issue of music not just in the world, but also in the church. And I began to think, you know, in the modern, in the, in the modern church today, we have so-called worship. And I, I've said it before, but in, in, because it's relevant, I'll share it again. But when I, when I went to America four or five years ago, and I went to a Calvary Chapel church there, and I didn't know what I was getting into, but I stood there and they dimmed all the lights, it was dark. Everyone was on the stage. They got turned on the smoke machine and the flashing lights, and then they proceeded to worship God. Worship God. Can I tell you? God saved me out of that. Amen. I was. That's when I, when I used to go to rock concerts. That's exactly when I was worshiping the devil. That's exactly what I was doing. I was with the, the rock, with the smoke screen, with the music, the lights, and now in church we do this, and they call it worship. It's nothing more than self-indulgence, self-gratification for those that are on the stage. You know, I'm just worshiping God. Are you? No, you're worshiping yourself. <laughs> and not only that, and. Um, And and let me say this: the whole reason why they set the stage like that is because they understand, according to the laws of the world, that they can manipulate an atmosphere. And then they say, "Can you feel the presence of God?" It is it is entertainment. It is, and they produce an emotion. And people say, "Can you feel the Holy Spirit?" Well, I don't know what you're feeling, but I tell you, you don't need that to feel the Holy Spirit. In actual fact, we, can, we don't even have to have musical instruments. We can all stand up and just begin to sing and we can worship God and God will come. Because music is not an external thing, it's an internal thing. It's spiritual because with what comes out of us. And what they do is, is fully manipulated. It's fully uh, of men and, uh, uh, and carnal flesh, nothing to do with spirituality whatsoever. And so, and yet, we have people who think that church is that and they come and visit various churches and they see different aspects of worship and they think, whoa, what's wrong with this? Now, don't get me wrong. Some things, you know, have their time, but, but there's some things that are timeless. And so, we must be aware of this. We must be mindful of this. And so, it's about, as our text says, making melody in our heart to the Lord so there 's all these aspects of music there's there's that of the world there's that which is carnal there's that which is spiritual and so I want us to examine this morning and ask ourselves well am I carnal or am i or am I spiritual let's put forth this question this morning and actually, actually i won 't go into it now, but the Lord is showing me some other things where i 'll lead in the few in the months ahead in relation to some of these things but Let's think for a moment. If in the Bible, if I was asking you, who came? who's the first person that comes to your mind when you think of someone who was musical? David. David. Now, th- picture David. The Bible says David was a harpist. You know, picture him. You know, we have that um, guy that comes, plays his harp, Edward Classen. But then David, after he played his harp, he got his sword and he just went and chopped some people's heads off. Now, think about that. <laughs> He was such a he was a warrior, and um, and you know he spilled much blood, but yet after his battles he'd go in there and just play his harp and worship God. And we know, you know we have the Psalms and we have the expression of his music and his lyrics and so forth. But you see, David teaches us something about the truth of the spiritual life because the spiritual life is made up of warfare and worship. You can't disconnect from both. You, it, 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 we are in a war we're talking about music and the influences and the seduction and the deception. We're in a war. So, there's constant warfare and there's constant worship and we too, like David, uh, are to be uh, characterised by such things. He wrote a third of the Psalms and we read those Psalms and we, we see David uh, at various times, he was overwhelmed, we identify with his emotions, he was melancholy, he was sad, he was depressed, oh that I had wings like a dove and then we hear today, shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. He was jubilant and excited and he would express his emotions to God in praise and in worship and uh, we, this is how it should be. But you see, the whole issue of praise and worship has a profound influence uh, upon the soul, especially when it's spiritual. It is profoundly uh, uh, um, uh, spiritual. It is healthy to the soul, to the, uh, to the spirit, soul and the body as, as your whole well-being before the Lord. It's worship. You know, when I first I said this, when I, like I said, I threw out most of my music when I got saved. But, you know, I, I began to listen to various different bands in those early days. I was obviously going through a process of sanctification too, so, you know, it was all the, so, some of the so-called Christian music that's out there. But I tell you, I did, from day one I used to listen to, and, they, and they've still remained with me to this day, was Keith Green and Don Francisco. Now, why? Because it was scripture in song. That's why because when you have scripture and song coming together, as in, and, and there's, there's many other aspects. I'm sure you have your own references and tastes, and they're all varied, so it's okay. But um, this is relevant to me. And, but the point is, it's scripture and song. It's worship. It's, 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 it's truth. It's from the heart. And these things capture, these things minister, these things are, are, are therapeutic to the soul. Amen. And so in the same manner as we see in David's life. And we, we, when we read the Psalms and we read what David put in there, we identify with the various words and emotions that David encompasses. But you see, it's scriptural songs that feed the spirit. It's scriptural music that feeds the soul. And so that's why, what's going in, I've always said it, what goes into the mind comes out in the life. You can't avoid it. God is not mocked, whatever you sow, you will reap. If you sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption. If you sow to the spirit, you will of the spirit reap eternal life. You can't avoid it. And that's why I say, you never win. We never win. If we are disobeyed, we never win. And so, in light of all of this, my question this morning is, well, what are we feeding on? You've heard that statement, you are what they, what you eat, they say that now? <laughs> I know, you look, I know, I can testify to it. Okay? No, it's true. I wait, I'll tell you, I've I weighed myself for the first time in six months. I don't have to <laughs> Now, but we won't dwell there, but I illustrate the point: You are what you eat. Now, if that's true physically, how much more spiritually? It's true. You can't avoid it. And so what's the standard of the music that you listen to? What is its source? Do you make melody in your heart to the Lord? What flows from us? What music goes into you? And what music comes out of you? Because this is very important. God forbid, but if I had dementia, just play some Keith Green and I will come alive. <laughs> I'll sing. I, can, I tell you, I can go from, I can listen to the ministry years, which is four, I don't know how many songs, nearly a hundred, and I'll tell you which song is coming next. It's like it's there, it's ingrained. But my, and so, because it's in you. Or sometimes, you know what will happen? I'll share this with you. Sometimes I'll be, the radio will be on and something will come on and it's ungodly. But it's, I'm listening to it. And then all of a sudden, with unconsciously, I'll sing it. Have you ever had that happen to you? It happens to me. And, okay, no, I, as my kids will point it out and I'll go, how did it happen? Sometimes you have the radio on and various things will come on. But you just, you'll just, and then, or you've heard it somewhere, you've been somewhere and you're out. And uh, For me, how it works. Maybe because of the inf- some of the influences. But then, and then I'll be somewhere else and, and 10 minutes later, I'll sing it. And I'll go, why did I do that? Now, you might not be able to relate to it, but can anyone relate to what I'm saying? Okay, there's people here. I'm not the only crazy one. Okay. <laughs> and so, because, again, I think that proves my point. What, what makes us come alive you see for this as I referred to this documentary and dementia and so forth it was for this woman it was playing 60s music and then they get up and they all begin to dance and you know they come alive but that's not what it should be amen for the Christian when you're in your 60s do you want them to play the music that you listened to as a teenager so that you somehow come to life forget that just, uh, just worship God. Put on a praise song, put on some music, Christian music, some good godly stuff and I tell you, my spirit will always come alive. You see, in saying that, I know there are different, I mean, we're all different, we're all di- different types of taste. You know, the music that you might like, the style, I might say, oh, you know. We can make room for that, okay? I accept that. But what I'm talking about is is the music spiritual or carnal? Because there's certain music that you just can't listen to as a Christian. Then there's the next category. There's certain music that, uh, that might seem well and good and enjoyable until you hear the words and you can't listen to it anymore. And so, you know, people say, well, you we can sing about love, but as one person once said, um... There's no greater love than Jesus. So Think about Jesus. And so we, we must judge with righteous judgment. That's my point, church. Music is spiritual. And I want to close with this last thought and remembering that I said that the message is entitled "A stream. You go to, um, or you can turn to, but in Genesis chapter 4, we're just going to reference to it, but in Genesis chapter 4, In verse 21, we find a particular individual that is recorded and his name is Jubal, Jubal. So look at verse 21. And there was Jubal, they both come from the same root word, but then there was Jubal, verse 21. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the harp and flute. So the, we're finding this here because what we're seeing is, is that Jubal was the first one in God's creation and obviously God had gifted him accordingly. To, he was the first to practice musical instruments. And I have no doubt that, it, to, that some, to some degree, it's, at least initially, it incorporated the worship of God. But you do only have to read a few chapters on and you see that the human race has been corrupted very quickly. So you have Jubal here. And the word Jubal in Hebrew means a stream. Now, what was it? In light of his gifting, his talent, his God-given ability... And he's to, be, to play these instruments. What stream flowed from Jubal? It might, let's make the assumption that uh, in, uh, it was it was godly. It was the worship of God. But see, he's, Jubal's in the line of Cain, and we know that the line of Cain becomes corrupt. And so, what we can we can rightly assume and uh, and learn from this is that. In the corruption of mankind, there was a corruption of music. When in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. And I have no doubt that as we have seen and witnessing on greater levels again and again and again, and it's always existed, thats nothing new under the sun, but it escalates again. And we're seeing this uh, uh, flooding of of this music that's demonically inspired, that's influencing the behaviour of people, that's influencing, and it's not just music, it's TV, it's movies, it's everything that's going in the ears and in the eyes, through the senses. And so, um, so Jubal means a stream. And that stream, at some point, as in the process of time, was corrupted. I would uh, say that we need to consider that, this principle, this spiritual principle because it's what flowed from the stream that flowed through Jubal was undoubtedly, I assume, godly in, the, in, in its first instance but I believe at some point it became something other than God and it was harnessed by the devil as in all things are. So, it's not about fun. It's not about you know, having a good time. We have to ask our question, is it right or is it wrong? Is this acceptable or unacceptable? And so we have people in the world today, they're gifted musicians, absolutely. But what's their stream? What's their source? Who are they? What are they saying? What's the message that they're trying to get across? This was interesting, J.D. Farag said, that the, and, the, and Bono confessed it, and he has this in his archives, that the whole, right from the beginning the, you two set out to deceive Christians. And so, uh, what I'm saying is, is that you have to be very mindful of what, what you, you're, you're listening to. How can you have those things? Uh, uh, in, our, in our home and listen to them and have them played or whatever. They have to be judged. They have to be dealt with. That's my whole point. So what is flowing through them? Because what flows through them will flow into you. And what flows into you will flow out of you. So what is my what's the, what is my stream? Because my scripture says that in a text in Ephesians, That the essence and principle of being filled with the Holy Spirit is singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You can't not. You can't not. James, and again I read this, James chapter 3, verse 10. Matthew, come on, switch on there, buddy. James chapter 3, verse 10. Now, it's a principle here talking about the tongue, but the principle extends further. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. You see, if we're full of the Spirit, then we will sing spiritual songs. If you're not, you won't. How's that sound? Very simple. You can't have the the, the both of them, because if uh, because you can't listen to the world's music and then just switch and worship God. It just doesn't work like that. It can't can't ha- it can't happen. You can't listen to your worldly music and all that trash and bish 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 and then come into the house of God and just somehow be engrossed in His presence. You can't. You say, I can multitask. Well, great, but you can't have both coming out of the same stream. That's my point. You're either having the pure water of the Holy Spirit that's flowing through you, as our text says, making melody in your heart to the Lord, or you can be polluted with the waters of this world. And so music is spiritual. So my question to us is, am I spiritual or am I carnal? And so let's remember what the text says. Ephesians 5 and Colossians chapter 3. Let's make melody in our hearts to the Lord. Can you say amen?